Modern medicine is advancing at faster speeds than ever before. Yet the world still sees the healthcare experience as difficult and dated. The Real Chemistry podcast shares interviews with industry leaders who are innovating in healthcare. Join Real Chemistry's Chief Marketing Officer, Aaron Strout, as he explores how AI and ideas can come together to transform healthcare into what it should be. Good afternoon. This is Aaron Strout, Chief Marketing Officer of Real Chemistry and host of the Real Chemistry podcast. And uh, today I am joined by a new colleague. She's been here for a couple of months. Her name is Javeria Shahab. She is the president of medical education at 21 Grams, which is part of Real Chemistry. And she comes with a ton of experience. You'll hear more about that during the podcast. During our conversation, we talk a little bit about how she got into the industry, um, what some of her formative days look like and how it got her in touch with patients. We talk a little bit about her plan, what some of the headwinds are, challenges, um, how people who are interested in getting into the field of medical education should proceed, uh, how the space has changed, what she does to stay informed, and then we get into the fun part at the end. So I know you're going to enjoy this, so please sit down, grab your favorite beverage, and listen in. And uh, as always, we love to hear feedback, so if you'd love to reach out to us, please do either I'm at astrout at realchemistry.com or you can ping us through our social media channels. Thanks so much. All right. Well, Javeria, I am so excited to finally be meeting you in the Zoom world. I know we've met in other online channels and really excited because we're thrilled to have you here at Real Chemistry. One of the things that I always like to start with and um, probably not surprising, but I like to find out how you got here, like not literally here at Real Chemistry. We can talk about that too, but not everyone chooses to go the healthcare path. And while I think it's an easier industry to go into now, just for a lot of um, obvious reasons, it wasn't as obvious 10, 20, 30 years ago. So tell us a little bit about what inspired you to pursue a career in the healthcare industry. Yes. Thank you so much, Aaron. Thanks for having me. Um it's actually, it's been an interesting trajectory for me. I, uh, my family comes from a Pakistani background and heritage and like any other Pakistani kid will tell you their parents' biggest dreams was always for everybody to become a doctor. So, you know, went through the motions of being a bio undergrad major at Siena College in upstate New York, and then very quickly realized that, you know, I, I was really interested in healthcare and, you know, outcomes and things like that and the science. But for me, it wasn't quite being a physician per se. And so I actually then from there continued on to get my master's in public health. I actually, if you asked, you know, 18, 19, 20 year old Javeria what she was going to do later in her life, she probably would have told you that she was going to work nonprofit or at the WHO or some cool humanitarian relief job like that. Our, uh, my grandfather actually worked for the UN as well. So that was always a, a big dream of mine. But, you know, a kid fresh out of grad school or college and stuff, those those jobs were pretty hard to come by. And then, you know, living in New York City, you were just, you were exposed to so much else. So for me, the way that I actually got into healthcare communications was a job fair at NYU when I was in grad school. And kind of one thing led to another. And Many of my colleagues that were getting MPHs as well were kind of exploring all different kinds of routes of healthcare, of the healthcare industry. And to me, this one really, really stuck out in that it was constantly evolving. It was all about, you know, how to 
understand and communicate a client's objectives and needs and things like that. And so it like really spoke a lot more to the the parts of my personality that wanted that kind of interaction and stuff. Um, so I was I was did better in my liberal arts and humanities classes in college than I did the bio one. So it was a melding of them both, which was nice. <laughs> well, I love it. And that makes sense, right? If you the expectation is to be a doctor, but you do like the liberal arts more, you're a good communicator. Um, then it makes sense to find something that splits the difference. Right. And I think a lot of times once you get into it, it's like, Oh, that isn't really what I want to do. This is what I want to do. And it feels like you found your place. Yeah. One of the things that I would like to dig into, and it's a little piece of your history and I will give you and the readers a little bit of background. One of the things that I've started to play around with is writing abstracts for events, questions for things, Mm -hmm. particularly podcast guests. I will use a little generative AI and we have a tool called writer.ai. And so one of the things I asked it to do is I said, look at Javeria's profile, you know, her LinkedIn, her, some of the things out there for her and come up with some questions. And I will tell you some were very perfunctory, some were much more intelligent, but one that it came up with was this. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. So this was according to my research. Uh, you did spend some time early in your career as a research assistant at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. I think a lot of people have heard about it. It's one of the more famous cancer centers in the country. Tell us a little bit about how that shaped your current experience in medical education. I can't help but think that it must have left a bit of a profound impact on you. Oh, for sure. For sure. I've actually, the last 20 years of my career in medcoms, I think I've you know focused almost Uh, the larger amount of my career has been actually focused on oncology. And so getting the opportunity to work at MSK, which for for many, many years has been the number one cancer center in the world, was really quite a formative and foundational experience for me. I actually used to work in the integrative medicine department, which was kind of outside the norm of traditional medicines and stuff. And so we used to look at things like acupuncture and shiitake and mataki for like boosting your immune system and all kinds of like Eastern medicine. So it really was such an interesting angle on research and stuff. And so my job there as a research assistant, I actually used to go to patients post-thoracic surgery that had had acupuncture. Um, and some were obviously in like the right pressure points and some were placebo. And I used to go and and basically survey their pain and talk to them and listen to them and stuff. And so for me, that experience really, really kind of honed you know, that every single thing that we do comes down to the patients. Every single thing that we do comes down to being able to empathize with them, experience like what they're going through, what their patient journey is. Like, you know, it really helped to put everything in perspective. Like, even if it's everything from like a, a mundane Excel spreadsheet of, you know, abstracts at an, an, at a Congress to, you know, making sure that you've checked all the boxes, like it all ultimately comes down to making sure that the patient is in a better place, that they have better outcomes, that they have, you know, access to treatments that are going to lessen their pain and stuff like that. And so being able to work not only in research, but actually having that one-on-one touch base and and contact with patients really, really was such a a huge, huge foundation of my career. Well, I love that because I feel like many of us that do work in professions like medical education or me in marketing, it is easy sometimes to divorce yourself from who the end, you know, sort of recipient is right. In your case, it was patients and still Mm -hmm. patients at the end of the day. And so it's really that frontline work that I think can ground us and understanding the difficulties they're going through the language they use. 
uh, you know, really doing deep exploration of what the problems are can really help us better inform ourselves in the work that we do going forward. So I love that you were able to do that, you know, and transition from academia into the working world in such a profound way. I do want to sort of fast forward because one of the reasons why we're talking is we did welcome you into the fold, I think uh, two or three months ago. And as I mentioned in the pre-intro, you are the new president of medical education at 21 Grams, which is part of real chemistry. What does that mean? Like what does overseeing medical education at an agency, like an advertising commercial agency like 21 Grams mean? And like, what does a day in life look like for you? Yeah, for sure. For sure. So for me, it actually started with the name, right? Like 21 grams. I was so interested, like, what is this company doing? Like, you know, where did that get, they get that actual name from and stuff. And it actually comes from a fun little scientific legend. Um, there's a guy named Duncan McDougall who back in the day actually wanted to prove the existence of the human soul. And so he actually did the study, which was really, really cool. It was published in medical journals and New York times at the time and stuff. And so he, researched, you know, what is the weight of a body pre and post mortem? And what is that difference um, or the unaccounted loss of weight that might take place? And so it ended up being 21 grams. And so for me, it started like by really finding the 21 grams, the soul, the spirit, the, the thing that makes you tick about this agency that was the first hook for me in coming to 21 grams. Um, it just was really such a perfect, perfect name for an agency that was hell-bent on bringing back the soul to healthcare advertising and education. So what my role consists of here at um, 21 Grams and the ed part of it specifically is being able to kind of like educate HVPs, right? So like, what are the kinds of things that in, you know, talking about soul and spirit make them tick? What are the kinds of things that drive them to retain or inspire change and therefore better outcomes for patients and stuff as well? So it's not... How do we exclude ourselves from the abundance of noise and energy and and um, distractions that are out there and stuff and make education, healthcare education, you know, information about new products or unmet needs or patient journeys and stuff? How do we make that information retainable and memorable? Um, somebody here at the 21 Grams team early on in my days, and it's only been about two months, has actually said like, a story isn't just a litany of facts, right? Like that's not memorable. What a story and a narrative is, is like an actual narrative that's been wound around those facts so that they make them memorable. So, you know, that's what we're trying to do here at 21 Grams Ed. And, and it's been a really, really exciting and inspiring journey so far and seeing how we can make that information and education memorable. Well, I love that you're making a face, but I love that you were able to weave those together and that you were able to bring the backstory in 21 grams, which I found fascinating, you know, sort of when I first met them and we brought them into the fold, I think about three years ago. And I love that storytelling element of it and the whole wraparound with the soul. I want to continue that. And I think you've touched on a little bit of this, but a lot of executives coming into their new roles lay out 90 day plans, right? And so Let's talk a little bit about some of the most important tasks that you'll be carrying out in your new role. I know that you and I were joking as we were prepping for this, that one of them is responding to a lot of new business pitches, right? So helping to shape who are we going to work with and what do we do with them? And, but I'm sure there are other things like, what does the offering look like? You know, do we contract it? Do we expand it? 
Do we need new bodies or whatever? So give us a little bit of insight into where your head is at in that regard. Yeah, for sure. So my first priority here in the two months that I've been here now has been to listen. So technically, I guess I'm in that 60-day window, right? But since I've gotten here so far, I've been like making it a mission to understand where real chemistry in 21 grams fits into the full picture. You know, what are what are our goals and aspirations as a company? Like what kind of culture we want to breed and, and continue to build here? I've been having one-on-ones with every single person that's on the team, you know, not only just my direct line reports, but everybody who's like within the village or the ecosystem of everybody at, at 21 grams. And then also within real chemistry as well. So just getting a sense of like who those people are as individuals, you know, I I love to see, you know, the kinds of things that that make a person really shine, right? Like not just the work stuff, but like where are they, you know, do they potentially have a loved one that has, you know, that has a story that relates to something that we're doing from a healthcare perspective or their children, or maybe they're preparing for their next marathon or, or they love to travel or whatever the case may be. It's just like, what are the things that really, really make them tick? And I, I find that you often can't understand the aggregate culture until you actually ind- understand the individual pieces. So definitely those first kind of 30 to, to 45 days have been spent making sure that I, I hear people, that I, I show that they're, you know, being consulted and appreciated, understanding their backstory and the context and the heritage that the team has here. So that's been really exciting to get to know people and where I can connect the dots. And then this next phase that I'm currently in is honestly kind of the exciting phase in that I get to start making those connections, you know, work for each other, right? So the thing that's so, so phenomenally amazing about real chemistry is that we have so many intelligent people, so many amazing groups and individuals that have capabilities that far surpass anything that I've ever seen at other agencies and stuff. And that could be anything from like, you know, all of the amazing AI that the group has. So like the guys at Conversation Health and like how they can actually automate a lot of different kinds of of healthcare conversations that are happening or real audiences and the analytics team and getting those kinds of insights. You know, I actually am based in New York City and sit on the 14th floor and across the hall from us is the Star Power guys. And those guys are all responsible for, you know, finding recognizable stories that can be relatable and stuff as well. So for me, this next phase is like, how do we make sure that from a perspective of our, of our clients, we're putting together an entire continuum of communication, right? So like everything from the insights of the audiences that we have to how we can automate that stuff, how we can have the right speakers for it or advocates or translators. How do we make that story and that narrative memorable and, you know, retainable? So it's now I'm in the phase definitely where it's how do we take insight to action and I'm sure that that will continue on for, for many, many moons since every single day I come in, I hear of a new capability and a new subject matter expert that's just, you know, blows my mind. So it's been so inspiring um, to see just the immense creativity that we have here at Real Chemistry. Well, first of all, thank you for shouting out some of our broader offerings, because I know some leaders come in and it takes them a while before they figure these things out. And I love that you're naturally stitching them together. Obviously, listening is always a great way to internalize some of these things. You know, there's the joke that uh, God gave us a mouth and two ears for a reason, right? Because we should be listening twice as much as we speak. But I'm sure since you've been here, you know, 
you probably realize either with the broader industry or with real chemistry or probably both, there are some headwinds, right? So let's talk a little bit about some of the challenges you anticipate or maybe that you've started to bump into in the role and certainly how you plan to overcome them if you want to touch on that. Definitely. The healthcare industry is an industry that's just constantly evolving and changing. I would say probably more so than so many other industries. Um, And I wouldn't say it's necessarily a challenge, but rather an opportunity for us to always be on the cutting edge of like understanding what our our audience's habits are, like where they're going for education, their time commitments, you know, the way that we think of ourselves and the way that we consume information and education as well. So, you know, how do we find the right ways to, to be connected to HCPs and ensure that they're, you know, that they can empathize with and understand the patient journey? How do we, you know, make it easier for them to identify the right kinds of patients? How do we take the education and information that we are trying to impart on them and make it more relatable and practical, you know, taking complex science and making it intuitive and simple making sure that we can amplify the need for greater equity in healthcare. There's so many different, different things about healthcare communications that I think are really big opportunities for us to do in this industry. And, you know, doing it in an ever crowded space where time, energy, and effort are probably the biggest barriers continues to be a massive opportunity for all of us in this industry. Well, that makes sense. You have been in the industry for a while. I think you had mentioned somewhere around 20 years what have been some of the biggest changes for the better or for the worse that have happened over the course of your career? Well, Aaron, I'd say the biggest change is probably the amount of white hairs that I have in my head, but (laughs) you (laughs) hide them well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, from one brunette to another, you know, they show up pretty easily, but uh, yeah, I mean, the last 20 years I think have been such massive amounts of change, right? It's just been at like exponential in nature in that, you know, when we originally started, I think healthcare communications and stuff was much more of like a, a newer industry, a newer kind of like realm of where pharma was, you know, educating or communicating with HCPs and things like that. I think um, there's been constantly evolving guideposts and governing regulations and stuff on how do we interact with HCPs. You know, the thing that's probably changed the most is, you know, making sure that everything that we do is is fair balance, that it elicits the right kind of feedback in the right ways, is informed and written by thought leaders, um, making sure that, you know, things are peer-reviewed or, or taking a measured response or approach to scientific discoveries and stuff and, and everything that we're putting out there in the world. So, you know, things like the OIG guidelines, good publication practice, ICMJE, pharma, you know, all these things I were in the last 20 years have been necessary evolutions to make sure that in the healthcare industry, we are communicating in the most appropriate ways in a way that, you know, ultimately is benefiting our end user, which is the patient and improving their outcomes. Well, I appreciate that thoughtful answer, but selfish plug for you for 21 grams real chemistry. We are always looking for people to join us in our journey, right? And to help and to communicate and work with HCPs ultimately benefit patients. But what advice would you give to anyone looking to break into the med ed industry? You probably foreshadowed a little bit when you talked about how you broke into the industry, where it was that combo of you love the medical and the healthcare, but you also realize you like communicating and the liberal arts. So if someone who looks like you or thinks like you wants to join the industry, how should they get started? 
So MedEd, I I think even to this day, my parents don't actually understand what what I'm doing. They still seem to think that I'm a sales rep, never been. It's it's, it's quite hilarious. So MedEd to me is like something that, you know, ultimately somebody might learn about. Well, actually, I take that back. There is some colleges now that have um, like master's degrees and, you know, undergrad degrees in like scientific communications and things like that, which I think is phenomenal and quite the evolution. But, you know, for the person who doesn't maybe necessarily major in it in school, you know, they might learn about it at a job fair or a mentor or a friend or a cousin or whatever. You know, the thing that has been the most exciting and interesting for me about a a career in bedcoms is that in 20 years, literally in 20 years, Erin, I've never, ever woken up and had the same day twice. I can honestly, honestly, and confidently say that every single day I learn something new. And whether that's like one day I'm working on deep in oncology and CAR-T therapies, and another day I'm focused on neuro and the newest approval of an Alzheimer's drug, it's just constantly, constantly something different, a different perspective, a different business challenge, a different product with different attributes or a value proposition, different audiences. Like every, every single day is, is really, really different and stuff, you know, and even within an account, you know, you might be focused on the top thought leaders and then another day you're focused on the community guys. So it's just such a, such a highly, highly exciting and creative and constantly evolving industry to me that like, it's, you know, it's always being updated. It's always being so it's growing, so it's changing. So for me, a person who likes variety, like would do so, so well at MedEd because it's, you know, there's just constantly, constantly evolutions in everything that we do. Well, I, that's good practical advice. And I love that sort of no two days look the same. I'd like to think I have probably more of those days that are similar these days, but because I've been doing this for 12 years here and almost 30 years in general, but like medical, like um, healthcare, med ed changes, you know, our industries change. But I like that sort of, it sounds like embracing change. If you don't like to embrace change, maybe this is not the right job for you, but it's fresh, it's exciting, constantly evolving. One of the things I do want to sort of bring to the table because we do have a lot of clients that listen in and then regular listeners in general that are passionate about healthcare and innovation. What do you do to stay on top of the like the latest industry news and trends? Obviously, you can read things like Stat and Fierce or whatever. I'm sure you read a lot of publications, but um, what does a day in the life look like for Javeria to stay on top of, you know, the industry, healthcare industry, what patients and HCPs are passionate about, et cetera? Um, a day in the life for Javeria looks like waking up, kind of scrolling through like you said, like the fierce pharmas and the first word pharmas and the seeking alphas of the world. So, you know, there's a lot of, lot of newsletters that come out on a daily basis and are constantly changing, you know, constantly talking about the change in the industry, like whether there's M&As or, you know, different product um, launches or things like that, or, or pivotal data that's come out and stuff. So I usually, you know, will have my morning espresso and take a pretty quick gander through all of those industry newsletters and stuff. Just make sure that I'm up to speed on anything big that's happened in the market since, you know, the day before and stuff. I also actually have become really accustomed to also going through LinkedIn. And I know that typically LinkedIn has been a source of staffing and recruitment and looking for jobs and things like that. But 
it's also become a place where it's almost like social media for a lot of companies and, and, you know, businesses and stuff as well. And so a lot of times companies will do press releases on LinkedIn, they'll connect you to their latest data release and, you know, New England Journal of Medicine or, or some other big scientific publication and stuff. And so I find that if you follow a lot of the companies that we're supporting, you'll typically be on the cutting edge of like whatever's happening and stuff as well. So that's been really, really insightful and, and um, worthwhile to me. The other thing that we do here at 21 Grams, which is really unique, is that we have these 21 Grams dinners as well often. And so every so often we actually get together with like patients who are, you know, living with and thriving with and enduring the different disease areas that we're working with and stuff and just getting a perspective from them and staying really, really close, like to the grassroots of like, you know, the patients and what they're going through and like what their caregivers are going through and, you know, what a day in the life looks like for them so that we are, as we go into any of our, just like everybody else, I have a, uh, unfortunately a schedule that is jam packed with back-to-back meetings, right? But you know, those 21 grams dinners and being able to actually get the insights from patients and then taking those into those meetings with you is something that like really, really extremely resonates to the group here. And I think really sets us apart in a way that makes it a lot more, you know, those stories much more relatable and stuff. And so there's the typical kinds of stuff to get smarter about the industry, but then, you know, the much more personalized stuff that gives you an ability to empathize a lot more with your end, you know, the people that are hopefully going to be benefiting from the work that we're doing on a daily basis. Well, I love the LinkedIn recommendation. That's very prescriptive and pragmatic. And I have noticed you're pretty active there, which I appreciate because I, I've been on LinkedIn, I think for 20 plus years, whenever it started, I was one of the first people that joined and it has taken a nice turn toward that social media, but in a much more respectful, less political way, right? And then I love that you've also brought mm-hmm. things full circle with your Memorial Sloan Kettering days of getting together with patients, right? And really understanding what makes them tick. Probably related to that, one of the things I'd like to dive in before we get to our last two questions is what's been the most rewarding part of your career so far? So we've talked a ton about patients, right? And obviously for me, ultimately, that is the reason that I get up in the morning and do what we do. And hopefully, you know, just feel that our job is is being rewarding and in, in that it's hopefully making patients outcomes and, and lives a little bit better and making sure that they're being heard and understood. But I'd say that another part of my career that really has just been so incredibly rewarding in the last 20 plus years has been, you know, joining teams and building teams and cultures of really extremely smart and articulate and creative people, right? You know, ultimately healthcare communications isn't selling a widget, it's not selling a product our biggest asset truly is the people and the experiences and the insights that they're bringing to work every day. Those are the actual ingredients that create the value that our clients are seeing. So for me, it's like winning an account or expanding our support within a company and watching those teams form, right? Learning the ins and outs of a brand, the audience, the specialties, and finding their stride in a way that that really resonates. Like that's the, that's my favorite, favorite thing to behold. So watching a team kind of riff off of each other and evolve an idea that maybe started out as not a not so great one or perhaps even a stinky one, but really evolve into something quite beautiful is, a, is an amazing thing to witness. So for me, agency life is like the sum of all the parts, right? It truly takes a village. And, and the most rewarding part of that has been being part of that village and having a hand in helping to create it, basically. Well, it's 
particularly given the environment we work in. I like that our CEO just recently communicated that um, growth is a team sport. And I would argue that that's personal growth as well, right? It's working with one another, working in teams, understanding each other's needs, understanding that sometimes we can start with rough ideas. I won't call them stinky, but like rough ideas and refining them into something that mean more. So that all makes a ton of sense. I do want to shift a little bit into the personal and some of these may bleed over. Who knows? These are questions I like to ask all my guests. And this next one started at the beginning of the pandemic because we needed something to give us a little bit of hope. But it's that proverbial, you know, if you could have one wish, it can be anything professional or personal, what would it be and why? Well, Aaron, I think that's going to have to be world peace, but (laughs) (laughs) right. That would be, that would probably maybe be my uh, contestant answer, but um, I would say it's, you know, having better, better outcomes to serve patients and improving their lives um, and just playing a, a worthwhile and rewarding part of that. And maybe, maybe if it was truly, truly just one wish and it could be anything, it would be ridding the world of disease and suffering. Um, I'd have to find a new job, but hell, that's a okay with me. <laughs> I was going to say, if that's the reason why we unemploy ourselves and there are worse things, right? And people like you and me where healthcare is a critical component, but again, back to the education, the communication, the learning, all those things I'd like to think are fungible skill sets. Exactly. Last question. Um, don't worry about the how, but you know, you're stuck on a proverbial deserted Island. You can take one album with you for those that remember what albums are. Uh, which album would you choose? You know, when you asked me this question before we we got together to chat, I, gosh, I made a whole short list of like 10 different albums. And I'm like, oh, which would it be? Which would it be? I love so many different kinds of music and, and genres and stuff like that. And I ultimately, I have to say, I landed on Linkin Park's Meteora. Um, it's it was a it was a tough call. There was like so everything from Celine Dion to house music to oldies in there. So, um, Lincoln Park for me is like a, an album that actually like I listened to through high school, through different stages of my life. If I'm like working out or doing chores on the weekend at home, so I feel like if I had that album, I'd take that desert, deserted island and build an entire village. So full on Robinson Crusoe style. Well, I have to say, Javeria, <laughs> if there are a thousand albums that I might have guessed that you would have picked, that would not have been on that top thousand, which is why I love to do this <laughs> exercise. And I am a Lincoln Park fan myself. Um, so that's a great note to end on. Thank you for being such a sporty guest and you know doing a little bit of plug, even though I didn't ask you to, for all the different things that you do and we do. Uh, hopefully people feel inspired to join the industry to work with you and your team, or at the very least to, you know, take some of the principles of what you do and add them to the mix. So I'm Aaron Strout. I'm the chief marketing officer of Real Chemistry and the host of the Real Chemistry podcast. And I've been joined by my lovely colleague, Javeria Shahab, who is the president of medical education for 21 Grams, part of Real Chemistry. Javeria, thank you so much for uh, doing this, knowing how busy you are, and especially only a few months into the job. My pleasure, Aaron. Thank you so much for making the time. Want more episodes of The Real Chemistry Podcast? Subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts. We post a new episode every Thursday. Visit realchemistry.com for more info.